All right, welcome back to the Wash Process Podcast. My name is Kenny G. I'm here with my buddy Carter Moore. What's up, Carter? Hey, Kenny, back again. We're back at it again, man. So good to be in the in the room with you digitally. Um, hope you're doing well today. We got a great guest on the podcast. We got Joshua Kissy. Carter's going to tell you about him in a little bit. And uh, Carter, why don't you tell us what coffee we're going to drink with him, and then a little bit about our guest Joshua. Yeah, so the coffee we picked out today that we are all sharing together across three different states is from Methodical Coffee Roasters. Uh, it's a Columbia coffee, and it is a bit different than some of the other things that we've done. It's a wash process, but it's a pineapple washed process, which there's a whole lot that we could go into about what that means and how Methodical is really innovating in the space of coffee, um, which we'll link to in our show notes as well. So you can take a more in-depth look at the, you know, everything that's going into some of this. There's pineapple washed, there's papaya washed. Uh, they got a whole bunch of other things going on. So we thought for such an innovative and awesome guest like Joshua, we would pick up coffee that was also as vibrant and innovative and doing new things uh, as we could. So we sent that yeah. out to everyone. It's like cutting edge. It's 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 washing through the acidic process of of the juice of a fruit, which is just nuts. Anyway, we we won't go into it in depth, but it is nuts how it works, and it's crazy what it does to the flavor profile. Because you think you had a coffee from this region before, and you've liked it, and then you you have a, just a total twist on it. So anyway, I think it's a great pick for our guest, but also. Um, if you're listening, you got to pick up some of this stuff. It's really good. Yeah. And again, we'll link it in the show notes. So everyone here has an opportunity to at least learn about this coffee and hopefully buy it. Check out Methodical. They're doing some really amazing stuff uh, in the coffee space as well. Uh, but getting back to the guests today, we have Josh Kissy. Joshua and I have known each other. We we're just talking about it probably uh, close to a decade uh, at this point, but um, Really, Joshua is probably one of the most creative minds I've met uh, in my adult life. Uh, Joshua has done everything from fashion to photography to feature-length films. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, brands you might have heard of like Nike and Adidas <laughs> and LinkedIn and Google and a whole host of other uh, companies and magazines like W Magazine, working with people like Colin Kaepernick and Michael B. Jordan, uh, just to name a few. You could go to his website and we'll link it as well. So uh, you should check it out because Joshua is really doing some amazing work and we are honored to have him on the podcast today. So with that, let's welcome Joshua in. Josh, how are you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? Nice to Good, see man. you. Nice to meet you yeah. as well, Kenny. Nice to meet you, man. Man, thanks so much for making time today. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's, uh, it's been fun to kind of do this process, um, no pun intended, uh, with the podcast that Kenny and I have been working through. And having you on was one of the kind of the a pinnacle moments for us in this, knowing that you've inspired uh, both of us creatively, but also Mm -hmm. just your journey in terms of like how you've started to where you are now. And uh, there's just a lot that we can get into and hopefully we will, but man, we're just really excited to have you here. For I'm sure. excited to be here drinking this Colombian coffee <laughs> and enjoying, <laughs> enjoying this beautiful Friday afternoon in LA. Yeah. So you're in LA. Tell us, uh, you're in LA and we'll get to that too. But um, how did you make your coffee today? Like, are you a pour over guy? Or are you an espresso guy? Definitely a pour over. Okay. Yeah, I like to like to have that intimate process. <laughs> intimate process, love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get to know you get to know your coffee. I'm a I'm a pour over guy too. I Chemex every week nice. so far. I've done a Chemex, um, but yeah, I, I did a Chemex with my coffee uh, today, just a smaller batch for me, just a, a little, I'm trying to reserve this coffee. I've had it. This is my third time drinking it. I'm going to get one more, one more out of it too. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. How yeah, about you, Carter? I love that. Uh, yeah, I did an Americano today. I went the whole uh, espresso route, uh, you know, nice little tamp, bring out that like real pineapple vibe. Uh, for it's, real. It's awesome. It's a, it's a really unique uh, Americano for sure. Totally different experience than pour over. And so I wish I could kind of have a taste, but uh, I'm glad that we're all drinking the same thing together. <laughs> so it's probably, yours is probably super bright, right? Like almost like a sweet tart, probably. Yeah. Like, like sharp. Yeah. Is, it, is it that way? I would imagine with it's the pretty, espresso, it would it's go that way. Bright. And to be honest, like I pull my shots a little longer so that you get a little bit more of that flavor out versus kind of that bite. Um, but it's, man, it's, it's there. It's for sure. Uh, it's <laughs> like, man, I don't know, almost too fruity in a sense. Like yeah. there's a, 
you open up the, the the beans and it's like a waff and you're like wow this is a this is a different kind of coffee so have you guys ever had like a grilled pineapple it's like to somebody taking a slice of pineapple and just like toss it in the grill charred a little bit is that yeah that's kind of what i'm feeling when i'm drinking this at least the, the pour over version of it it's almost like that experience for me it's roasty. There's something about it that's that's some you know what I mean. It gets a little bit of that, but then it's also that strong pineapple fruit taste. Yeah, anyway, I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, pineapple pineapple is uh, interesting because people have a strong aversion <laughs> to pineapple and pizza uh, sure. being mixed. So it seems like pineapple is being more mixed into uh, different things, which is interesting. So I'm, I'm enjoying this cup coffee cool i'm really glad you know we we mentioned it before you hopped on but we picked it out you know, you know in many ways it's innovative you're innovative you it's bright like i feel like you bring a brightness and a vibrancy to all the work that you do um oh, thank you Carl. oh of course you know like i just i don't know man it's uh when i think of creativity i think of josh kissy uh and so it's <laughs> it's just been fun to i'm, I'm gonna trademark you that should. yeah <laughs> we'll take royalties uh off that trademark too but um yeah man we uh, are excited to get into it glad you got the coffee i was a little worried it wouldn't arrive on time my wife went and shipped it literally like a few days beforehand so i'm glad it <laughs> arrived um but yeah, let's let's hop in for a minute and just tell us a bit about like who you are. You mentioned you're living in L.A. You haven't always lived in L.A. You've been in a long time New York, right? Yes. Yeah, so my name is Joshua Kissy. I'm born and raised in New York City. I'm from Ghana, West Africa originally and spent most of my time in New York up until six months ago. Me and my family moved to Los Angeles uh, after welcoming home a beautiful baby boy named Ezra we love so dearly Um, and yeah it's been beautiful to be in the city uh, work-wise especially transitioning or adding um, filmmaking and directing to the creative skill set has been its own transition as well so new city new baby new home new everything Um, it's kind of happening but we were prepared for it we're like yo we just feel like we're really being called to the city my brother and his wife and family lives here um, and it took two years to move here. So it wasn't just kind of sudden. I knew hmm. I needed to get here, but we just did the backwards work to get to this point. We're like, okay, after we have our baby, we'll move to Los Angeles and figure it out. Um, I was signed to a production company who reps, represents directors called Division 7, um, and they have offices in New York and L.A., and just kind of like planted the seeds to make sure once I moved to L.A., I had enough on my director's reel, that I was working enough uh, to make sense out of it. But I was literally traveling here every month for, for work. Sure. So it just made more sense to right. like fully commit to it. The sun, the beach, <laughs> all of the things. Um, but it just feels like a more life-giving city. That's the best way I'll put it. I hmm. feel like New York, there's a lot of elements, but those elements work in your favor when it comes to creativity and skill set and culture and community. So it's great, but in LA, there's a better work-life balance and you feel a little bit more rewarded for just taking a break, you know, <laughs> taking a break, breathing, taking your time, pacing yourself. Um, so that's been like the biggest difference, but I've been loving it here so far. Wow, man, that's, yeah, I can't imagine the transition. I mean, I guess I can to a degree, but, um, you know, I, I, the way you're describing LA makes me reconsider my viewpoints about LA because I've been a NorCal. Your boy does not like LA. He does not (laughs) like LA. Um, Kenny is saying it for me, but yeah, Uh I'll I'll have to come visit now and kind of learn your way of life in LA. Well, here's the thing about LA, bro. And Joshua can, can can stand up for me on this. If you stay in a spot like where you're at, LA is great. It's when you have to travel from one side of L.A. to the other that you start to feel like, why on earth am I here? But if you're within yes. your, like, neighborhood block or, you know, a couple of, you know what I mean, like half hour, then you're great. Oh, man. But, yeah, I, exactly. I feel like if – and we're, like, centrally located in the city. We're in West Adams, right by Mid City and Culver City. So right, we could get right. anywhere, it feels like, in 15, 20 minutes. Um, and a community of people we've met here has just been amazing. It's been such a blessing. Like we're on community meetings every month. We know all wow. the neighbors. We've only been here for six months, but we know like all of our neighbors, but as well as people in the community. And I feel like that's, that's the deciding factor for me. Cause in New York, there's a lot of, you know, transient culture. There's a lot of things moving 
you know, in and out and people moving in and out and buildings coming up. Like this, the thing about New York is what you have to accept is the change itself. Hmm. If, if you're open to the change of New York, then you'll be good there. But if you're looking for some sort of, at least some transition, I'm sorry, some, at least some like, I guess, expecting what you think your, you know, life in a city will be, um, you'll be okay. But you know, if you're not open to change, it's going to be really hard for you to live in New York. And mm. I think that's why people gravitate towards the city because they love that change. They love their energy. They love the hustle and bustle. I'm like, I've done 32 years of hustle and bustle. I think I've graduated. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Um, I want to use that, that knowledge and all those things I've learned in those experiences in Los Angeles. So I feel like I'm not saying I'm not working hard. I'm by all means, I'm working hard in Los Angeles, but you just need maybe 50% of what you need in New York here and that's like a hundred here it's like new york's 50 percent of hustle is literally a hundred here people are like whoa like wow you went here and there today wow like you met this yeah. person and that person and it's just so normal to me i was like yeah i would just jump on a subway or an uber and like see all the people i need to then you're in soho you bump into another friend and maybe you do a lunch or maybe you like hey let's grab dinner like new york is just like its own thing where you could spend a whole day outside literally for like 12 hours and just meet all these different people and like have a day and now be your day Man, that's <laughs> yeah, so, so different than like portland portland is maybe like 10 percent of what you described la to be you know portland's like wow you got coffee today that's big that's big you <laughs> yeah. made it to your we- car for sure, big. Yeah. That's what I'm, and I'm in Kansas City, right? So Kansas City's like, oh, wow. there was so much traffic today. And it was like five minutes of traffic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, you don't even know. You don't even know what it's like. So I grew up in Southern California. I grew up just a couple hours north of L.A. And so we were in L.A. quite a bit. And then I lived in the Bay Area, as, as did Carter, nice. for a minute. So, like, you know, you, you, you go on your way to San Francisco uh, from where I was up in the, in the North Bay gonna hit two hours of traffic man it's just how it's gonna be <laughs> yeah so anyway fully fully commit to it fully it. fully commit to it that's right Which you yeah. seem to do in everything you do josh like you seem fully committed like you started off uh i mean probably even before i met you i you know i you seem fully committed to street etiquette at the time which you know yeah. may not have been your start but that was your start for me at least like that's when i first came into your yeah. orbit um but I'd love to hear from you, and I, I imagine Kenny would too, about like how your commitment to your craft has changed and how it started with street etiquette to kind of like where you are now. Um, I mean, you've done yeah. work for tons of people. You know, we mentioned it in the intro, but like uh, Issa Rae, Jane Smith, W Magazine, Ulta, Google, like that stuff doesn't just happen. Like it definitely is a demonstration of commitment. And you said you're 32, I think. Uh Yes. Yeah, I'm 32. Kenny's 32. We haven't done any of that stuff. Uh, oh, so wow. when I'm like, <laughs> you guys, are, I mean, it's 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 all the same race. I would say, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like you, you find your footing where you can. And I think for me, starting out doing street etiquette with Travis Gums was amazing because it was so much play. You know what I mean? It was so much play. We got to just like kind of figure things out. We're doing styling, photography, writing. We're just doing anything we wanted to do, which were just creative hobbies. And at that time, we didn't know you could actually make a living off of like (laughs) these creative industries and skill sets. So we're just doing out of love on Tumblr and Blogspot. And this is like very early internet era things. Um, But the thing we knew that was missing was like the voice that we had, which was like being young, black and brown, being from the city, all those different things. We felt like online was like a it was open real estate. It was just like, where do you put your voice? Where do you kind of like amplify um, the things that are important to you? And it just so happened there was thousands of people who also felt the same looking at our work. So I think for me, the internet was kind of like a digital passport or like a digital art degree to be able to That's research, awesome. find, experience all the things that I was interested in, even if I couldn't go to Berlin or even if I couldn't go to you know, Lagos in Nigeria or wherever. Um, the internet was the perfect way to bridge those worlds, but as well as help you a community. So uh, what I like to explain now is like in 2005, when I first started kind of like posting and things like that to now there's, there's such a healthy creative middle-class, but back in the day, there was no real space for if, you know, if you didn't go to art school, you know, then that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So, but now there's such a creative middle-class where people are, you know, 
obviously social media has helped people create their own careers um you know and, and make money off of it so it's not like just starving artists and then you make it but now people are making it based off of their social media followers their photography their graphic design maybe they go work for a corporate entity maybe they don't um and my first job was with nike when we were like 18 years old <laughs> um and my parents couldn't believe it they were just like wait how are you working with this company again and like it was just so much confusion there but i get it looking back now um there's just so much that has changed you know uh so for me that I'm, I'm a product of the internet i'm a product of you know just kind of like turning your hobby into your career and i don't want to be so preachy about it but i do think there's something important when you i think there's something special about having the tools right in front of you and what i just decided to do is turn those tools on my friends and community when it comes to cameras and storytelling and just being like, hey, like, let's let's figure it out. So commitment has always been a thing, you know, and I think it's kind of just how I was raised, you know, being Ghanaian American, growing up with my dad being a pastor, my mom being a nurse, like all these different things as far as empathy and connection to community and people is just kind of ingrained into how I was raised and how I saw the rest of the city um, and the rest of, the, I guess, the Internet. Um, and culture and community. Um, so those things always informed me. So the camera was just a way that I was able to communicate those stories and themes. Um, but I could have done it with writing or could have done it in other venues. So sure. um, just want to give people an opportunity to, you know, aspire to something and, and have a reference point. And that's why I have been going for the past like 13, 14 <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing I think is, is, fascinating as you said that like your the camera was just one of those tools one of the ways that you're using that you also talk about being young black and in the city and having that voice and then if we fast forward and i don't want to put the cart before the horse too much you've got this this expression of that in tonal um where there's opportunity to see um people from all across the spectrum of life in um I'm correct that this is this is like stock foot stock stock photography, yeah, stock photography. Yeah. right? Yeah. Great. <clears throat> Sorry. So what I'm trying to get at is if to rewind the clock back, when you're 18, 19 years old, and you're trying to you're first stepping into this creative industry, and you're not seeing that kind of representation, where do you learn to? Can I ask a, a little bit of an ignorant question? Where do you learn? Sure. To, <laughs> where do you learn to get the type of teaching to light somebody correctly or to use the kind of film or settings correctly to get the tones on black and brown people that are so amazing. I mean, if I look at your work, one thing that I'm looking at is like the use of color and the use, the ability to get the light to hit a skin of a person so perfectly that, it, that you, you're not distracted by it, which for so long, and I don't need to give you a history lesson on how film has <laughs> been racist, but, <laughs> but you know, there, yeah. there's actually there's a whole bunch of that into that conversation. But, but that's my question is you're coming into this with a bunch of passion. You're fresh, mm -hmm. you're excited. There's the internet, which creates space for that creative middle-class. Um, but where do you go to learn or did you come up with, I mean, how did you learn to do that before now you're on the opposite side where you're providing those opportunities, that teaching and that ability, where did you learn some of that? No, that's a great question, Kenny. I think, trial and error like trial and error and youtube university right like just trying to figure it out <laughs> trying to literally when it comes from a camera technology perspective trying to break the technology of the camera right pushing it as far as it could go in either direction and testing these things out using different programs to edit um and figure out like okay like how i see people with my eye is one thing but how i see them through the camera is another how do I make sure that I'm making these things work towards themselves? Wow. And I really just became infatuated with black and brown skin and making sure it felt as regal as as we see it to be in real life. Um, so a lot of my work does have this painterly feel when it comes to light yeah. um, and, and how it hits um, some of the talent that I do have the opportunity to work with. But a lot of it was trial and error, like saving a whole bunch of presets doing math on what's working and what's yeah. not working like okay this amount of exposure equals this type of saturation and this like literally taking notes and notes and notes of like 
what creates the perfect image for that scenario. Because it's different when you do it in studio compared to outside or sure. backlit or frontlit. Um, so it's been amazing to be involved in technology like this to the point now where I consult with companies to do the same. You know, right. so I've consulted with Google for the past couple of years on correcting the camera technology when it comes to photographing black and brown skin tones from all over the world, whether you live in New York City or you live in Bangladesh or you live in wherever, making sure that camera technology is giving everybody a fair shot at being photographed. And I think the the argument against that is people are like, well, you just got to know how to light people. That's it. Like you just, you know, adjust. And it's like, it's so much bigger than that because it's ingrained in how the camera calibrates light in general. And like the history, it is what it is. Like the people that were you know, fortunate enough and privileged enough to have photos taken of them in the early stages were people of European descent. So it's just like, it just goes without saying, you had to have a ton of money to take a photo and you had to be a certain class and, you know, race in that respect in time and place. So like nobody was getting photos taken of them that, that, you know, like they didn't build the technology and be like, yeah, like we got to make sure this fits for everyone. It's yeah. like, no, like <laughs> the people who are paying for it are right. these certain types of people and we're going to make it towards that. So, like, I think a lot of people, you know, try to poke holes in, in that theory, but it's like the, it's, 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 it's right there in the pudding. Like, you just could do your research and figure it out. But again, if you're not photographing a lot of people with diverse skin tones, you won't come across those issues. It just so happens we make it look damn good that you think that, you know what I mean? It's just about calibrating light and it's, it's so much bigger than that. Well, I think it, you know, that's just an expression of the idea that having multiple voices in the room is only going to ever make us better, you know? And so when there's not a voice in the room, we, you know, there's people who were in, in an innocent sense, like in the, their mind, at least just trying to optimize film photography in like the thirties, you know, yes. like the twenties yeah. and thirties, they're just trying to optimize it, but there's no voice in the room that's going, Hey, this doesn't look good with my skin, you know? Yeah. So I think there's something about that and, and how cool that you've now been able to be one of the voices in the room. I mean, that's what a rad thing, dude. I know it's crazy. It's like a full circle moment and, For sure. and shout outs and kudos to, to Google, to, to being open to that conversation and partnership. Um, and knowing that, you know, there are people that they pay internally to do their job, but there's also some unbiased voices that could, pinpoint some of the inaccuracies when it comes to camera technology and that's why i was like such a pleasure to do that i do that on a, on a normal wednesday like please <laughs> like I would, I would love to be able to do this for not just for myself but you know for the next generation of people um absolutely on Earth to be able to be photographed correctly absolutely yeah yeah that's i didn't actually realize that so all of that kind of new um i think google just released a big marketing campaign around this right yes um, so yes. your hand was all in that Yes, my hand was in that amongst some other amazing cinematographers and photographers. Um, I also directed the Super Bowl commercial for that spot. Jeez, uh, dude. With Lizzo. No big deal. Yeah. Just dropping that in. Yeah, no big I know, right? Just drop it very, very, very casual. casual. I, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've, you know, just trying to do the work as, as best as possible. And, you know, for me, the the message is so much bigger than the fact that I did it, even though I, you know, I'm happy that I did do it. Um, the mission and message behind it is so important. So I'm glad that people were able to see it on one of the biggest, you know, nights that you could have, you know, as far as sporting events, right. When it comes to the NFL and the Super Bowl, So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just so wild to me to I'm like, I watched that ad on my couch, uh, <laughs> And now I'm, I'm chatting yeah. with you and you directed that. It's, that's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty wild. Yeah, we watched it as well. <laughs> the Rams won. We were living in L.A. Oh, so right. Like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so it was just like it was a big so night for much. you. <laughs> yeah, it was a big night. It was a big night. We went out, had a good time. Yeah. It ended up being a, a really – sorry to the Chiefs. <laughs> I know. My bad. Um, but, you know, we made it happen. That's oh, right. Oh, man. I love that. Yeah, I mean, so you've – you're not just making that happen. You've, you've made Tonal happen, which – um, you know, we briefly touched on it a second ago, but I, I'd love to understand too, like how that came about, uh, you know, it didn't, to my knowledge. And again, maybe this is like lack of total lack of knowledge and ignorance, but like, I don't know of any site or company that was really supplying stock imagery, uh, for diverse skin tones like you were. Um, and so when you, like, how did that come about? How did you find that? And how did it come to be what it is now? Which is pretty well known, I feel like. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it's just been the blessing of a journey. So my <laughs> wife's good friend, Karen Okonkwo, who's the co-founder of Tono, um, we met through my wife. Um, she's from Seattle. My wife's from Seattle originally, like I said. Um, and originally she came to me with this idea. It was like, hey, like you're a photographer at that time. You should do this. And I was like, uh, stock photography wasn't something people were like sitting down trying to accomplish. You know, it's one of those things that um, from a photography standpoint, everybody kind of looks at with a side eye. And be like, yeah, that right. stuff is super vapid, <laughs> not great and not inspiring in, in any means. So she pitched the idea to me and I was like, hey, I would love to do this, but I would love to do this with you. So she comes mm. from a sales and marketing background. Wow. Um, and I said, I won't, I won't do this alone. So we ended up creating Tonal, you know, which is a diverse stock photography collection that's ongoing. Um, and at the time, like one of our first clients was UIHI, which is the Urban Indian Health Institute. Um, and they're based around the world. They're based in Seattle, Alaska. But their whole uh, mission is, you know, servicing the Alaskan Native American Indian communities. Um, and we were like, wow, like this is our first client. And here they are saying that for imagery, like imagery is history, right? Like having a page in a history book is like having an image. And I think for them, mm. there weren't imagery of what, you know, native and indigenous foods even look like. Like they, there was no reference point or resources from an imagery standpoint when it came to their food, their customs that wasn't tourist backed or wasn't like, you know, historical textbook stuff. They're like, we just don't have like images of indigenous doctors, indigenous wow. lawyers, our foods, our practices. Wow. Like we don't have any of it. And like to think that you could potentially appear to not be here or be erased because of things like that is super sad. You know what I mean? So we were like, wow, here's this great opportunity to build out a whole library with this company, which we did, which was beautiful. But it also had us be able to zoom out and be like, okay, like, because the way Tonal started was on the height of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling and the unfortunate murders that happened with that time. But it, it, it gave us the opportunity to zoom out and be like, hey, there are people who've been waiting for mm -hmm. a, a collection and program like this. Um, so when the American Indian Health Institute contacted us, it was like, it's only right to start out with a project like this in America, com considering their history in America, um, you know, as the first people. So it's just one of those things where, like, we're super blessed to have the opportunity to create imagery around amazing people of indigenous descent who are doctors, lawyers, wow. their foods, their customs, wow. how they celebrate, how they convene, how, you know, so it's just like, even me living in New York, I was like, I don't even know if I've seen <laughs> any of that. And this is supposed to be one of the most diverse cities in the world. And I've <laughs> I don't know what their foods necessarily look like, you know, their customs, you know, and the first thing we think of is just Thanksgiving, which is just kind of, you know, a commodified version concept, commercialized concept of what, you know, how they commune and how they, you know, organize as a community. But to be able to understand deeply and take images of was such a pleasure to do. So Tonal has been able to work with, you know, Nike, Google, REI to, I mean, Microsoft to Facebook to like every company sure. realized like, okay, on the, on the short end of things, if we do believe that diversity and representation is important, it should start with our imagery. Like it should start with our imagery on how that looks like. And I think Tonal became a a feasible benchmark for companies to say like, hey, I care about this and I, and I raise my hand to support. That's amazing. Um, dude, that's phenomenal. I know, so much there. <laughs> no, no, I know phenomenal work. No, no, <laughs> so I'm good. sorry. I'm just, there's a couple of things that you said that, that are kind of running through my brain right now. So I'm trying to organize my thoughts, but, but I'm, I'm blown away with that, that concept and that idea, um, especially the idea that, there are groups of people that could experience because of the speed of technology experience an erasure that is not purposeful or intentional, but instead it's passive. What I mean is that there's stock photos of a bunch of bald white dudes with a beard like me forever and ever and ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just true. But, <clears throat> but there's entire communities that could get passed up just by the nature of technology moving fo so fast. So it's not an intentional, hey, we're going to leave you out. But instead, it's an erasure of uh, a passivity. And so it, to, to take the position to actively try and um, 
create space and be remembered. I, I think it's there's a, something really beautiful and uh, and active about that. Like, um, yeah, I think there's something really beautiful about that. I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. And I feel like, you know, for us, the mission is to have imagery that represents the whole world, um, and that's our that's our mission to be able to impact that digitally through photography is the mission and be able to tell stories because in this nature stock photography is supposed to be stock you know quote yeah. unquote stock mm -hmm. so it's like there's nothing to it you know you could use it on anything and the theory we have is more so like it's stories over stock like you know everybody in this mm. photo has a story and it's not just about the fact that you could erase whoever they are just put any brand on there it's like who is this person how do they live who do they love and how do they connect like what does that really mean so it's really bringing this wow. sense of empathy to to photography and image making and less of this stock aspect, which is, you know, just a part of commercialism and industrialization yeah. and things like that. But at the same time, we're trying to bring a little bit more humanity to the idea of photography when it comes to catalogs and collections. Well, here's something that's an interesting piece of stock photography that you maybe have not thought about. So I've been a staff pastor at a church for 10 years, different churches, wow. that kind of a thing. And so I've worked for a couple of smaller churches, not small, but smaller. And, you know, you, you end up wearing multiple hats, right? And so, like, I'm a relatively... True. I engage in creativity. I don't contribute a whole lot, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> but I love the creative space. I love creative people. Uh, and, and when I can, I, I try my hand in different things. But, but when I'm tasked sometimes with taking over, making a video, or making a slide for a Sunday morning, or yes. pick, pick your thing, a post. And I've been tasked with that many times in my life. I was tripping over myself to find a... I mean, honestly, for, forget about all the other stuff that we just talked about. Just a quality stock photo, full stop. Wow. You know what I mean? And so looking through your stuff just took me right back to those moments where, you know, seven, eight years ago, I'm working for a smaller church. And they're like, hey, Kenny, I know you're the youth pastor, but also I need you to make this. And I'm like scrolling through stuff and all I can see is just like what we now make memes of, you know what I mean? It's like, these kids, <laughs> it's like, and so I'm just like blown away at the, in, the attention that you put into that. And to kind of flip a little bit of what you said of like, you know, it's supposed to be stock photos and, and it's just a part of like capitalism and this is the machine. Well, part of it too, though, is giving creative tools to people who just don't have the raw skill or the ability to grow that skill. And so like, if I want to tell a story at a church level um, of a congregation of 200, people and I want to tell a story through photographs and I don't have the skill, ability, the talent to do it, um, to be able to find especially one that expresses a, a multiple views of, of humanity and that can yeah. connect with that story. So if I'm scrolling through on Tonal and I go, that actually emotionally connects with the same emotional story I want to tell. And now you're giving tools to people who don't have those tools to make it themselves. So I think there's a little bit wow. of a more sacred view um, from those of us in, you know, on this side of the, the computer screen who yeah, are really just yeah. like trying, they need help telling a story uh, without the capacity to do it. And so for somebody to be able to provide those with the depth of emotion and the care that goes behind it, um, I think that there will be times when somebody just wants to slap a logo on something that has people who look like they're from <clears throat> different parts of the world. But yeah. there's also times yeah. when people are struggling to tell a story, don't have the tools to do it, and are going to reach mm -hmm. for something where somebody has put the care and intent to do it. And you're telling probably the best stories in stock photos, and that's not just to blow smoke. I mean, I've looked at stock Thank photos a you lot. so much. That's <laughs> true. And, I mean, um, stock photos are just garbage meant for memes, and yours are like, this is <laughs> art. Yeah, for Thank sure. Thank you so much. Um, and so you, you know, you're telling gr among the best, if not the best, stories in stock photos. And two, you're giving tools to people, um, you know, like myself, who who can take those stories and identify with them, and even share or inspire moments of faith, even uh, in my yeah, context, yeah. Um, which I think yeah. is a, a really cool thing. I wish I had, I wish it had been around, you know, or if it was, <laughs> if I would have known about it eight or ten years ago, uh, when I was doing a lot of that stuff. Um, but I think there's a little bit more. Um, sacred about the work that's being done in tonal on the user side rather than just um the expression or fighting for space or kind of creating an edging in space so i just want to maybe encourage you with that thank you thank you thank you i appreciate that it is it is very true though and i think the companies that are supporting us and the individuals like we have a very very large demographic of 
small business owners and entrepreneurs who have right. a coffee shop or a hair salon right. or a barbershop. And they just want affordable images. They can't necessarily go to these other sites and pay $5,000 for one image. So we made sure that our price point was also open to small businesses mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs who are starting things um, and need imagery and, you know, yeah, can't afford exactly. full-on photography. So, you know, there's a lot of different, a lot of different opportunities within the space and honestly just been super, super excited to see its growth in its Dude. fifth year with such a team. Um, and on doing that on top of doing all the other things I do, I don't know if I have the time, but it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just being a servant to the community, to the people. And, and that's always been through creativity for me. Oh, for sure. Amazing. Man. And I, it's true. Like I, I was going through all the things that you were talking about, you've done how much time you probably do or don't have, which now I am more on the don't have side. Um, with a baby, now, with a baby. Yeah. I was going to say, you're oh, a, husband, a don't have you're sleeping, a, a all of it. <laughs> Oh man, like what little time you have. And I'm sure like I can speak to this. Kenny can probably speak to this as well. Both being dads, like you, at least for me, when I became a dad, I started thinking about time in a different kind of way. And yes, you have taken us over even just the like last few minutes that we've been talking, you've taken us on a journey, um, through time, through your story. Uh, you know, you said something really important to me that imagery is history. Like you've given us a really good picture of your history, even starting all the way back with your dad being a pastor, your mom being a nurse uh, and having those two individuals be the types of people who from the outside seem like they would do what they do to take care of other people. And in many ways, that story is still being lived on through you in terms of like how you're taking care of not just your immediate family, um, but also taking care of broader sets of communities and people who have probably never been taken care of. And I'm curious, um, you know, coming from a pastor's background or, uh, you know, growing up in a house whose dad was a pastor, how much of that like faith and care that maybe or hopefully you saw exhibited growing up has bled into the work that you do now, even from that underlying idea of providing for others, taking care of others, whether that's your family, whether that's the creative community, whether that's a broader set of black and brown skin people, like what, I'm curious what that has all, how it all culminates for you. Oh, that's that's such a deep, deep, (laughs) deep question, but I appreciate it. No, it's real. I mean, wow. Um, I think, Growing up in a household that thought empathy first and community first um, in that time felt frustrating sometimes as a kid, right? Our house was open to every and everyone. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that was annoying. You know what (laughs) I mean? It was just kind of like, uh, like this person again, you know, and (laughs) our house was also uh, a space that people who migrated here from Ghana was able to stay, get, get on their feet you know, be fed. Like my parents were just open to everyone. And it was, it was amazing. I got to learn a lot about different types of people, um, all coming from the same country and just needing some, you know, resemblance to, to cultural similarity and things like that. So I think like that always taught me that as people first, and I grew up in this, you know, from me to we perspective, Mm -hmm. which was always about like your community. And my dad was like one of the first people to throw like you know community block parties in our neighborhood and like organized for the summer and like do summer camp and like just very active um and we didn't grow up in the best neighborhood per se but he saw something in in the people around and wanted to be a positive impact there and i think a lot of people would consider him a father outside of myself because of that and, and the respect that comes with you know and it's the bronx it's you know it's it's 105 1045A is one of, you know, the poorest zip codes in America. It's like, it's tough. Mm. It's an entry point for, for immigrants, but as well as a working class neighborhood. So a lot of things I saw within my home, you know, when we were at home and we're speaking our own language, tree, which is a language from Ghana within our ethnic group that we're, we're speaking that. When you go outside, it's, it's a very different world, you know? So like, it's being able to see the differences of how I lived at home and then the differences of how I lived on the streets. Um, and it's such a loaded experience and I'm thinking about it. There's so many things I want to say, but at the same time, I think the beauty of it was also that my dad knew that like, yeah, you could pass the church, but the church is like outside It's the people itself. Yeah. It's not the building. It's not like the congregation itself. Like that's one aspect of it. But like 
how do you treat the people that you just are with on the subway or on the street or your neighbor or whoever, you know what I mean? And like, even if they don't share a similar faith or whatever the case is, like I think for him and how he raised us, it was always um, thinking through that lens. And that mm-hmm. just literally kind of inserted itself into my storytelling skills stories sorry storytelling skills and how i was able to take stills. in people's stories <laughs> yeah i know in my stills, that too. Right? Stories <laughs> and stills. Stills and skills. um <laughs> it, it it made me a listener first you know i was able to listen to people first pick up on energy just from the spiritual background just how people are feeling how they show up on my sets whether motion or stills like i'm just i'm always just kind of being a temperature on how people are feeling um and anytime i before i begin any um photo or directing set i try to speak for at least 30 seconds about why we're there Mm. the purpose of that the privilege to tell stories you know the privilege to be creative the privilege to recreate life through technologically form and and cameras like i think a lot of times because you're just in it and out people forget a lot of the privileges that it takes to be in this creative industry. So I try to ground people and thank them for being there. Um, and a lot of times people come up to me after and be like, Hey man, like I needed to hear that. Like I just needed, you know, like, thank you for saying that, you know? Um, and it's something is just a rule of thumb, like treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, and people might think, Oh, this is corny or whatever, but like, you just never know who needs to hear it on that day. Um, and I think for them, seeing it coming from me, who's supposed to be the leader of the set, um, creates impact for people to carry on that energy to the next spaces they go into. Um, and, and knowing that you don't have to be perfect, you just got to be present. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, that's that's really it. Right? And I think because we work with machines, sometimes you could become a machine yourself. Like, you ha- you're holding the camera, you're holding the grip, you're holding this, you're building that, you're, like... There's all these things, but I always remind people, like, you know, don't forget to let the machines just be the machines. And we're the people like we're supposed to feel and emote and and be able to tell these stories. So for me, naturally, going from photography to filmmaking was such a natural progression because I understood that, like, if I could tell these stories that move, I could impact more people. Mm -hmm. But also understanding that some stories need to stay still, some stories need to move and like having a discernment to know what's the difference between those two has always been a journey. Um, and for me, I want to do that on the highest level possible. I'm like, I want to do that in the most truthful way in the highest level possible. And I think with my mom and dad, they just always affirm me and being authentically me. And like, not, you know, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to, you know, like, <laughs> like not putting the pressure on any of the kids. Even though my sister took that up on her own, which is amazing. But my dad was like, the best thing for you is just use the gift that God gave you, whatever that is. And you, you're going to be in this position, you'll be so close to it. Like, you're really close to it. Like, you're close to both sides of how the world is. Um, but it's 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 a space where you have to just be a bridge amongst other things. Because um, there's there's temptation, there's there's aggravation, there's stress, there's all of it in the middle of the space. You know what I mean? So I don't consider myself being on one side or the next. I'm just kind of in the middle in the best way possible trying to usher people into the next spot that they need to be in positively so it's a dangerous space to be in but i've taken on that to be my life calling to be able to tell stories on the largest platform possible to tell stories of all people not just christian people not just you know what i mean just like be able to just show that uh beauty of of what god has created in so many different ways it's just been a life mission and i was just like i think you know, once we get closer to understanding people who are different in all ways, sexuality, gender types, all of it, we'll be able to be closer to what I think God considers a, a perfect world. So that's just always been my my um, journey and walk through creativity. And I think whenever I do interviews like this, I get to speak to that from a from a deeper perspective and outside of just like, here's a great image, here's great lighting. But it's it's for me. It's always it, it starts and ends with the people, and I and I love people so much. Mm. So I'm inspired by people. People hurt me the most, but I'm <laughs> I'm also most inspired. Like it's yeah. it's it's a gift and a curse. It's like whatever right. your gift is, is the same thing people praise you for, the same thing people criticize you for. So it's just like you just got to know which walk that you're walking. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it sounds to me like one of the greatest um, things that you do is to highlight people who 
maybe feel unseen, or at least you maybe perceive them as unseen. I mean, I know you just finished a documentary about um, black country artists. And if there's one group of people that I could feel like I didn't even know that was a thing, that would be, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) yes, yes. um, And we don't, we're not going to go off into that right now. I don't think we have the time, but, but, but my point being, it reminds me of that verse in in Matthew where, where Jesus looks at the people with compassion. He's moved by compassion and then he begins to teach them and and to invest in them and to, and I I just, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I've just met you today, but it just seems like there's this piece of you that connects with that same compassion that Jesus has and goes, I want to move towards people because of the compassion that I see, especially those who are unseen. Like the things that, you, mm. that lit you up the most, as we've been talking, have just been the people who seem to be unseen, hard to see, can't figure it out. Okay, how can I change the way the camera works? I want to break the camera so <laughs> I can see them. I want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to, I want so to go true. spend time with, with country artists that are black in Nashville and so anyway, I just really appreciate that about you, man. And it seems like That's that real. that must come wow. from that sense of like your mom is a nurse seeing people. Your dad is a nurse. Your dad is a, a, a pastor. Doors open. And um, I just I think it's a beautiful perspective. And I think that um, the people who feel unseen are feeling seen because of you, man. And I, and I, I just can't can't appreciate it enough. That's wow. That's deep. I mean, amen. And I, I definitely, I definitely take on everything you just said. I think is definitely the way I've been able to live life and, and, and not perfect, but present. Right. You know, I always say that to myself. I'm so like, you're not good. perfect. Just be present. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to falter. You're going to, you know, yeah, but so good. just being, just being in that at least has you be aware of at least be aware of like where you're at. Yeah. You know, you may feel like this today, you may feel different tomorrow. Right. And like, you know, we still have to go into, you know, very hard places, whether it's corporate structure or being out or whatever it is, like still like being able to resemble some sort of light. Uh, and I think I just always have connected with the people who've done the same in some sort of way, you know, being able to exchange with the ideas, thoughts, theories, on what that looks like. So for me, the church has always just been outside because that's the way my father's going to run it. It's like, <laughs> yo, it's, we actually used to do church outside, but that's amazing. On, on top of that is just like, <clears throat> it's all the people, like yeah. all, all the, all the folks, all the folks, like, you know what I mean? And so good. I think the gift of storytelling and photography and directing is, has brought me closer to that more than anything else. And I'm just like, wow. I can't believe this is my life. Now that I'm speaking about it right now, I'm like, yeah, I can't believe this is my life. I'm actually living off of <laughs> doing this. Like, like it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Like I've never had an actual job. You know what I mean? I just, right. this has always been the work and it's, and it's a work that's, you know, inspiring, but also very tiring. It takes up a lot of time earlier. We we're talking about time and commitment and things like, like, like I've been all over the place and sometimes I give the very little to myself. So it's one of those things where I'm constantly balancing, you know, sure. doing the work that enriches me, you know, personally and in, in, in my house. Like that's where the work starts is at home. Sure. So for me, the way I take on jobs is like if this doesn't bring some sort of peace or positivity to my house or my home or my wife or my son, then it's probably not the right job for me. And that's OK. There'll be another one, you know, and I just go back to the work. Yeah, you know? that's amazing, man. Well, I um Personally, I could do this all afternoon. I, I this is, this has been an amazing conversation. <laughs> I'm super blessed by it. But I know we got to start wrapping up here. Um, so it's been such a uh, such a blessing having you on, man. I've been taking notes. Uh, I don't know if you see, but every once in a while, I'm just taking notes on some stuff you said. I think it's really great. Um, one of the things <laughs> one of the things we do as we wrap up here is we hit you with a couple of rapid fire questions. Okay, um, Let's do so it. if you're ready, if you're in the right headspace, I'm just gonna hit them with you. The whole idea is it's hit kind me. of like knee jerk. What comes up first? What's the first uh, thought that comes? Okay, yeah, here no we go. Thinking, just speaking. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that's how you get in real trouble nowadays. So um, no, it's, yes. they're not that. They're not that bad. Um, Okay, so if you weren't doing what you're doing now professionally, what would you do? Oh, man, that's hard. Whoa, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's hard. Uh, I don't know. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Teacher. Maybe. Oh, teacher. Oh, good. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, here we go. What's What's one thing in your life you need to throw away? Uh, wow, throw away. <laughs> Wait, physically yeah. or spiritually? Like, Whatever you want. <laughs> you you okay, interpret one, it. One thing in my life I I'm in physically, like, but <laughs> if you want to go metaphysical on me, I'm good, bro. You can do that. <laughs> no, no, no. He's like, no, no. Um, I'm, I'm, I have so many 
books and <laughs> photo books and camera. Like I got to and clothes. I need to like do like a purge sure. of clothes and books and things like that. For but sure. When you decide to, let me know because you got all the clothes, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I definitely the gears. The gears being sent for sure. Oh man. <laughs> okay, okay. What's your least favorite word? Wow, can't. 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 It's a good one. So good. All right, what's your favorite word? Wow. <laughs> community. Mm-hmm. Love. Love and community. Yeah. Without trying to be clever or cool, what's an album you love start to finish? Oh, man. Probably Kendrick Lamar. Damn. Man. So Oof. good. Yeah. Yeah. Start to wall finish. to wall. Yeah. It's killer. Okay, what's your most yeah, memorable right. coffee experience? Wow. Memorable coffee experience. I think it was having coffee and being able, like needing to run to the bathroom right after. <laughs> like I forgot. So perfect. Was, but this is what I was doing the marathon, the New York marathon. Okay. I wanted some coffee to get yeah, and it just yeah. It went right not, through you. Not good. Right through. Oh. Like, so wait, you completed the New York marathon? Yes, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Congrats on that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, that's what a great note to end on. Huh? That's a, that's phenomenal. I, no. that I did not expect to have come up. <laughs> Other guests have been like, it oh, happens. I have this emotional experience and yeah. yours is definitely memorable. And it sounds like, emotional yeah, to me. It's, it's definitely emotional. I was struggling. I was like, oh yeah, I need to get this that's out of so me to funny. continue. That's good. Um, that's real. Um, um, so man, why don't you take a few seconds and tell, uh, anybody that's listening, some of the stuff that's coming up in your world. Um, uh, where they can find stuff about you online, handles, you know, Instagram, sure. what all that good stuff. Absolutely, you can find me at, at Joshua Kissy on all things, um, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can go to joshuakissy.com to see more of my work, vimeo.com slash Joshua Kissy if you want to see more of the motion work. On Instagram, you can see more of the photo and motion work. Um, April 7th, Amazon documentary. For Love and Country releasing on Amazon Prime. It's focused on black artists in the country music space. It's a feature length. It's my first. I'm happy. I'm very excited. Um, and would love for everybody to support. Man, congrats again. And we'll uh, we'll definitely link all of that out in the show notes as much as we can. Um, but Josh, thanks so much for being on, man. We Seriously. Not only from like our friendship level, I think the last time we like really <laughs> hung out in person was in London get over a cup of coffee and now we're here over Zoom this is true. with a cup of coffee. Like I love that uh you were Crazy. gonna do this and man, just super impressed by you, really encouraged by you. You said a lot of things that I think not only Kenny and I but the listeners will also be taken down, writing ruminating on probably thank putting on you. t-shirts you know like all the things uh, <laughs> but man we're just really thankful thank you, you. Were with us today. It, was, it was thank you it was such a pleasure to meet you and kenny like kenny you just i can hear it in your voice like definitely you have the pastor's voice but as well as like so approachable so relatable so warm so like yeah i just love it and i'm such a pleasure to be able to speak to you guys to you both and tell the stories you know so thank you for having me um it's been great i can't wait to to hear this one and hear the more that come after this but thank you so much it's really really truly an enriching experience oh man well with that we will see you all later The Wash Process is produced by me, Kenny G, and it's written by myself and Carter Moore. Special thanks to Radiant Church, Kansas City, for letting me use their studio. The song you're hearing is called Spirit Blossom. It's by Roman B. Love. Carter is a photographer and writer based in the Pacific Northwest, and I am a youth and young adults pastor here in Kansas City. You can find us on Instagram at The Washed Process, and our website is thewashedprocess.com. Check out our show notes for more information and to see the coffees that we had today. Thank you so much for listening.